that was just great. I love a church like this because I love this church. Because you guys are just precious people. Pastor Rich and Pastor Bill and everybody on the staff and the people who make this. Just what you feel here of a, of a non-pressure, non, you know, ooh, we gotta, we, we, we're laboring to be hip. Or if you don't know that exists, go somewhere sometime other than this church. And you'll see that there's a whole bunch of stuff that's out there being done to kind of make it cool or slick or whatever. And, and that's really what is behind the sentence that sort of says, I'm glad we do what we do here for the Lord and for the audience of one. And, and that we're pursuing after him and not just to try to draw a crowd. There's a difference between a church that seeks to be attractional and a church that really intends to be relational. Amen. Just in case you didn't know, you're in the second kind. (laughs) The one that chooses to be relational. Because, in fact, the one that chooses to be relational is not only the second kind that I mentioned, but it's the original kind. In fact, it was the only kind. It's what Jesus did. When he came to deliver the world, he didn't buy a building. He didn't erect a pulpit that he might stand behind. I know the internet wasn't around, but he didn't seek to broadcast all that he had to say. He just walked into people's lives. Their everyday walkabout lives. And he did it in the name of the Father. He did it saying, if you've met me, you've met God. Because I walk with him. I live with him. He lives with me. He walks with me. To have met me is to have met him. Amen. And he did this for three years. Three years. Three years. In a kind of a century when, you know, the biggest thing going was the Roman Empire. And crazy stuff that was happening in the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire's biggest worry was not the church or Christianity. The the Roman Empire's biggest worry was, I hope the next emperor isn't as crazy as the last one. And that didn't work out very well. Because they just had one crazed loon after another leading this empire astray. And so the Roman Empire that was once so big and powerful that it ruled the world crumbled into nothingness while the church that Jesus planted grew up not in a big building, not under somebody's watchful care as a denominational leader, but it grew up in the hearts and the minds and the spirits and the lives of a whole bunch of young fledgling believers, amen, who walked about in their world saying, you know what? If you've met me, you've met Jesus. Amen. Because we're here in his name. He's with us and we're with him. He's in us and we're in him. And to have met us is to have encountered the living presence of Jesus. Not in a service. Not even in a beautiful song. But in the context of a relationship. You're being kind of quiet. Because again, most of you grew up in an era where all you know of church is 
is stuff, buildings. In fact, that's what you call the church. When somebody asks you about the church, you go, oh, the building. In fact, you don't even say, oh, the building. You just give the address. What about you? You are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's really what this series is about that we're, that we're kind of in the middle of. Pastor Rich asked me if I would share specifically in this series on this Sunday uh, with, with the idea, with an actual title of what I want to share. But I love the idea of what we're talking about here. This is the real thing. I also love the fact that there's coffee beans. Seriously, you had me when you just started grinding the beans. I was in. I also got thirsty. I also got a little sleepy, knowing that I would be cured by a good shot of that stuff. But the real thing is Christian community. It is the relational reality that is us. And it's not us on Sunday. Only. It's not us when we convene and gather together. It's not us for a couple of hours a week. In fact, it's, it's confusing to people who, who are looking for God from the Bible to hear what the church has to say. God is available Sunday from 1030 to noon. If you missed him on Sunday, he's going to show up again on whatever their schedule says. And it's a shame God used to show up five or six times a week. And now he only shows up for an hour once a week. You say, come on, Rex, you're teasing. Yeah, I am poking fun at something that is, that is deep-seated in the mind and the heart and the spirit of people. It's not just the average unbelieving person who thinks the church is a building. It's by and, by and large the great majority of believing people who think of the church as a building. And so this idea of Christian community and the church being actually, you know, people. Come on, say it with me. I'm the church. I'm the church. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so... Your conviction on that was about a one out of 10. Do you understand? How many of you would actually say, you know, I, I truly believe that I am a part of the church. I am born of the spirit of God. Christ lives in me. And so I'm the church. Now we try it again. One more time. There you go. That's a little bit better. I like that. And today I want to talk to you about this idea that smaller is better. God, I know you, you just love that, don't you? I just want to be a small church. You already are. I'm not talking about Bethel. I'm not talking about the people who come here. I'm not talking about comparing today's number with 10 years ago's number or 50 years ago's number or tomorrow's number. I'm talking about the real church. The Christian community is small. Amen? You just said it. I'm the church. Some of you are seeking to be smaller than you are. Time and gravity have caught up with you. That latte is hanging on. And they've given it handles to hang on. Anyway, 
The church is actually a small thing. It's a small thing. It's a small thing. But it's a small thing that replicates itself mightily everywhere, relationally. Amen? Amen. So the church is everywhere you are in Jesus' name. The church isn't open for an hour a week. The church is open 24 hours of every day because we're alive. When you're awake, the church is awake. When you're moving around, the doors are open. Amen. Amen. Well, we're waiting for the world to come to church. That is the wrong ideology. That's what drives the craziness of the attractional church to do stupid things like giving away a Mercedes Benz. If you don't think that's true, Google it. Church, a church opening in this area. With the idea that, you know, somehow we're going to raffle off a Mercedes to get a crowd. (sighs) That is such lunacy when the church is actually supposed to be you and me. Everywhere we go, every day. Amen. Amen. So this is the reality that we want to talk about. It's hard to do at some level because the paradigms are so deeply entrenched inside of us. The ideologies are so deeply entrenched inside of us. And I'm not, I'm not fighting every word we say or every concept or, or rename the buildings. I'm not trying to do that. But I am trying to, to actually challenge you to believe the gospel and the truth of the scripture. Because the truth of the scripture is the smaller is better. <laughs> Does anybody regret the idea of bigger is better in America? Come on. Does anybody even remember when a drink was actually 12 ounces? When you could go to a theater and your drink was at the maximum 16 ounces. Now there's a reason that the maximum was 16 ounces because your bladder, on average, can hold about 16 ounces. Beyond that, you're going to have to go. And going misses, makes you miss the movie. And then they went to 32 ounces. Did you know that at Regal today, if you buy at Regal Theater, if you buy a large soda, it is 54 ounces. <laughs> Somebody said, amen, I want one. And a big bucket of popcorn to go with it. Woo! And it's refillable. As if 54 wasn't enough. Do it twice. Woo! Why? Because bigger is better. Supersize me. Remember that? Remember when you used to get fries for you instead of a family of six? Really? Bigger is better. Bigger is better. No, no. Bigger is bigger. The church world has come to this for years and years and years. Having pastored, having trained pastors, having worked in the ministry for a lot of years, it's really interesting that if if you happen to be pastoring where something big and dynamic is going on, people run up and ask you, you know, how they might somehow get the secret sauce that you're using. Somehow that they might tap into the formula that drives the ministry where you are. Why? Because bigger is better. 
And I, I, I just want to tell you, I would tell everybody who ever came and asked, bigger is not better. Bigger is bigger. That's all that it is. When we have a roof problem in a building that, that has 60, 70,000 square feet, the bill is bigger. We were in one auditorium where when we turned the lights on, it cost $200 an hour to run the lights. Bigger is not better. Bigger is just bigger. And it's bigger bills. It's bigger headaches. It's much more expense. Come on. Bigger is better. No, it's not. Whoever sold you that ideology, and especially when it comes to the church, that's just not true. Bigger is not better. Smaller is better. So say it with me. Smaller. Say it again. Smaller is better. I want to read something to you here in just a moment, but the first thing I want you to do is look at the scripture for today. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20 from the ESV says it this way. Uh, Jesus, this is in the middle of a whole bunch of red print where Jesus is teaching about a lot of uh, really interesting and enigmatic kind of subjects. Uh, and, and, and it's really, it's worth a read for the whole chapter. And it's really, he's not focused in this scripture even on teaching about smaller is better. He's actually focused on uh, experiencing correction and instruction and healing relational rifts that take place. But he does just pull out this, this sentence in the middle of this, and here's what the sentence says, where, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Come on, read it out loud with me, would you do it? For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I it's always been interesting to me that most of the time you've ever heard this verse quoted is in an apology for how few people showed up. Come on. I, I've heard it quoted. I show up at a church and, you know, there's not that many people there. And, you know, and, and uh, thank God we're two or three are gathered in your name. Jesus is here. And basically what they're apologizing for is the few people that showed up. It's an apology. This is not an apology. This is a testimony. This is an endorsement. This is Jesus saying, when you tackle the most important issues that divide people from one another, you can do so with a confidence that where two or three of you get together in my name, I am there. Hallelujah. This is a testimony. This is, this, is, this is not an apology. Where two of us get together. By the way, just do the math. I mean, you may live in a world where you look at yourself and you go in the mirror, just you. Well, you are really looking together. But you're not. Because it takes two to be together with someone else. And that's what Jesus said. Hey, if only two of you are there, I am in the midst. Amen. I am among them. 
this church back in 2022, this fellowship put together a thing called uh, the Life Group Manual, Training Manual, Group Information on Igniting Change. And it's really a kind of interesting document. Now there are, I saw the math, 68 people who are every week meeting in life groups. There are 68 ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ whose lives are out there moving around day by day by day, who come to share their stories, who come to celebrate and strengthen one another in the name of Jesus in eight different locations. And I am praying God that the eight become 80 locations. Amen. And the 68 becomes 6,800 or 1,000 as God wills. You say, well, that's bigger. It's never bigger. It's the multiplying of the small stuff. Amen. Amen. If you keep organizing by tens, you just need more leaders. You just need more people who are in the middle of it. You just need more people who believe smaller is better, and they want to do it, and so they go do it in Jesus' name, and each person in your group of 10, they start their own group. And now where you had 10, you have 10 groups of 10. And they have then 10 groups of 10. Do you realize how quickly you can get from 60 to 60,000? When you start multiplying ministry through relationships. If you don't, it's in here. You should read this. I read it just this week. In fact, I helped to write it. So it was kind of a trip down memory lane for me. But on the first page, there's this interesting little phrase. And here's what it says. In red print, this expression, meaning small groups, is the purest and the most powerful form of the church. And then it says, see this little section called the most important meeting, this attachment. I want you to connect with this scripture today because I want you to believe this truth. The purest and most powerful form of the church is you and me and Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, do you get that? That's two people gathered together. And the Lord's presence in the middle of that relationship. Let me read something to you. It's from your training manual on small groups. If you're in a small group or you're leading a small group, you should have read this. But I want you to more than read it today. I want this to go into the deepest part of the fiber of your being. So that you don't just read it. You believe it with every part of your heart and soul. And you begin to practice this. Every day. For us, the most important meeting is the smallest one, where two or three people come together to share in relationships that include the living presence of Jesus Christ. When it comes to our goals, are you hearing, you want to hear some church goals? That don't involve numbers and sizes of buildings. When it comes to our goals of intimacy, interaction, and individual involvement. Bigger isn't better. Smaller is. Amen. Can I just edit here for a minute? When two of us get together in Jesus' name, in the intimacy of that moment and time, whether that's over a cup of coffee or in a prayer gathering or whatever the place it is, it could be in somebody's car, just sitting together and chatting. We have a 
a possibility and an opportunity to communicate with more depth and intimacy and power than we would if there were seven other people there. In fact, if there were three or four other people there, we would have to try to explain some of what we say. Come on. When you really want to get down deep and you want to help people to connect with Christ in the most real and powerful and permanent way in their life, bigger isn't better, smaller is. In our quest to become an every ministry, every moment group of believers, we will build our structures to support and equip every individual and their team to be effective at the speed of life. How cool is ministry at the speed of life? Amen. Wherever, whenever, and however we encounter it. Well, we've got this issue, and it comes up at two in the morning, and someone's on the phone with you. Hey, thank God, the church is open. Jesus is available. Amen. Because you called me. And the Spirit of the Lord lives in me, and I live in him. And so whatever we do, we're going to do in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Spontaneity. Here's another set of values. Spontaneity, availability, flexibility. All of these that are a real effort in most church organizations are built into our relational method of operation. In short, we are wherever anybody is in need in Jesus' name. When Jesus said that he would build his church, it was a network of flesh and blood, not brick and mortar that he had in mind. We seek primarily to be an effective part of his ever-expanding church network. Come on, somebody should have said amen. I paused long enough to wait for you to go, mm. and even if it only comes out today as a ooh, uh. You know what I mean by that? It's uh, some of the words that God gives to us are not pat you on the back and say, oh, you're so good. Everything's cool. Yeah. Sometimes it's corrective. Sometimes it's instructive. Sometimes it's a rebuke about our selfishness and about how we bypass so many opportunities for ministry. Waiting for church. Amen. The the connect point, the church is you and me and Jesus. This is a quintessential church. This is is who we are. This This is what God did. This is how Jesus did ministry. This is how he raised up the disciples. How did the disciples become disciples? Well, they attended a series of classes, and they got these little certificates, and they got a little pin afterward with a big D on it. Disciple. Or maybe it, it would probably be a big M because it was a mathut. But, or maybe it, was, it had a big J for Jesus. Even that would be messed up because it's a, anyway, I don't want to mess with you. Well, I'm already messing with you. The disciples became disciples because Jesus walked into their world and offered them a relational opportunity. How would you like to be with me? Amen. Well, where are we going? Well, here's the reality. Somebody actually asked him that. Hey, I'm with you. I'm going. I'm going. 
Where are we staying tonight? And, and I don't know if he liked Jesus' response, but here's Jesus' response. I have no idea. <laughs> See that fox running over there? He knows where his den is. See that bird flying over there in the sky? That bird knows where its nest is. I have no idea where I'm going to lay my head tonight. Are you still with me? Amen. Amen. This is how you become a disciple. You start following him because he invited you to follow him. Come be with me. In fact, can I, can I say it in a different way? What is it this week that you have planned that is more important than being with him? And some of you are going, well, wait a minute. I'm being disarmed here because, because I, 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 I want to be with him. But I got to work. I got a family. I'm a student. I got school. I got the big dreaded H. Homework. I got to get done. I got things. Got places to go. People to see. Stuff to do. I'm a busy, busy person. I'm an important person. Amen. And I don't doubt that many of you are. And I have absolutely no doubt at all that you have agendas and you have plans you have things that you use right now to fill your time and maybe they're even scheduled out in what what people would call rhythms of your life that you pretty much know what a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday is going to bring to you but here's the reality do you do that in Jesus name Do you do that with a deep abiding faith and sense that God is with me and God is for me? Do you do everything you do in Jesus' name? That's what the scripture says. Whatever you do in word or or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do, live, move, have your being, exist, pray, walk, love, serve, drink coffee, drink a supersized drink. In Jesus' name. Amen. Because I want you to get, we, we, this is how you grow into this. You've got to move from saying it to actually believing it, and then finally to valuing it. See, some of us don't even say it. We talk the language of church as a building. Church is a meeting. Church is a schedule. You wrestle with the idea. We're, we're going to buy and sell church. Church. Well, we can't sell the church. Oh, my God. Like, like the building is the church. I, I was a little too close to home, was that? I'm just, I'm just telling you. The building isn't the church. You are, I am, we all are in Jesus' name and wherever we are, whenever we are, however we are, he is with us. Go into all the world and I will never leave you or forsake you. Go, I'm going with you. Where are you going? Well, wherever it is, go in Jesus' name.
And so you got to start saying it. You got to start talking this language. You got to start, you know, speaking up that you are the church. When somebody asks a stupid question like, hey, where's the church? You can answer like, well, I'm right here. That'll, that'll start a conversation. Well, when are the services? Here, I got an answer. You ready for it? Here's a good answer. Here's what you say. You say, well, that's confusing. What do you mean when are the services? When do you need them? And what services do you need? Maybe you need some help. We, we feed the poor. We care for people. We visit prisoners. We pray for the sick. Uh, we minister to the demonized. We share the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we preach the year of God's favor. We talk to people around the water coolers about the, the realities of the things that are coming. Where people are confused, we have answers. Because we know the Lord Jesus Christ and the future that he's given to us. Oh, you mean, you mean when are the meetings? Oh, the meetings of the church. Well, yeah, they're, they're very, they're everywhere. Amen. Come on. What do we do? We, we meet needs. We minister to people. When do you need something? That's when church is on. Amen. <laughs> so finally someone goes, okay, okay. I'm tired of your stupid line of questions and responses. I just want to come to a meeting. So tell me on Sunday morning, do you meet? Yes, we do. <laughs> and you can give them an address. That'll make them feel better. But here's the truth. That is not the church in ministry. That is the church in a meeting. We minister 24-7 in the name of Jesus at the speed of life, wherever we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's who we are. We're open all the time. But if you're looking for us during the time of a teaching meeting, then you should look for us at the place where we go for the teaching meeting. Amen. See, how many of you know that there's a process here that to go from saying it to believing it, to valuing it? I'm not suggesting that there's some magic formula or a little pill I can give you today that'll get you to go from saying it to believing it to valuing it. I can just speak from someone who's at the valuing end of this, that it's worth learning to say it. This is something that believing you will never have to alter away from this truth. Amen. You will value this and it will never be a detriment to your soul. You will not miss out on anything that God has intended for you to have if you believe this deeply and powerfully. So, so what do we do? What, what's the, what do we, how do we act with this? How do we respond to this? What's the go piece of this? Well, it's, I, I think it's a threefold thing. I wish I could say it better to, for you today, and I wish I could certainly advance you to the end result of this, but I can give you at least a suggestion. The first thing you have to do is you have to accept the assignment. In your going... Make disciples of all the nations. Do you know that when Jesus gave a commission to the church, this was it? The instruction for how to live throughout all the ages for the glory of Jesus is in this one little verse of commission. In your going, 
See, he doesn't even tell you where to go. He basically says, in your going, you're going to encounter a whole bunch of people who are not aware of Christ. Help them learn. Make disciples, that's learners, of all the nations that you encounter. Every people group, every bunch of people, every individual and every small group of people you ever bump into, tell them, I'm, I'm here in Jesus' name. I'm a Jesus person. I don't, I don't want a thing to do with God. Too bad. <laughs> really, I got no room for God. Too bad. Because here I am in Jesus' name. Really. Do you know what the only thing you can do to stop a church like that is? Kill them. That's the only thing you... That's what the early empire did. Thinking that's the answer. We'll kill those Christians. Now the ideal plan was if we threaten them with death, they'll chicken out. They'll protect themselves. They're not really believers. They don't really value this. They may say it, but they haven't grown that far. And to their chagrin, not only did the Christians not bow, they, they died like champions. Really, they put them in the middle of an arena with the idea that, and this was the Roman Empire, these crazy emperors I was talking about. They put them in the middle of this arena with the idea that they'll curse and they'll swear and they'll curse their gods and they'll scream in agony and pain. They'll put on a show. That's why we bring the people in to watch the show. And you know what the show looked like when it was Christian day in the arena? It looked like this. They would herd the children into the middle and then they would put the oldest people to protect the children. And then they would put the youngest able-bodied ones to stand on the outside, kind of arm in arm, like a circle and a phalanx around them. And they would sing praise to God. Thank you, God. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever we ought to get our musicians to come back. Maybe we could sing that again somewhere. They're going to come back. Forever God is... Do you know how awful a show that is? Really. People would get sick in the grandstands. People would get saved in the grandstands. People would climb out of the grandstands and join the Christians to be a part and a partner of what God was doing. These Christians don't just live differently. They die differently. You can't kill them. Amen. Well, let me say it better. You can't stop them by threatening death. Amen. Because these are the people who live forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. So you accept your assignment, which means, but I become an all-out Jesus person. You reevaluate all your relationships. That's point two, second step here. You reevaluate all your relationships. You kind of relearn how to do Jesus. Stop thinking church. Stop thinking meetings. Stop thinking, you know, like, like if your worship is only musical, you've got a ways to go. Can, can, can I just say this again? If your idea of worship 
is, is musical. And it's only musical. It's time to worship. Boom, boom, boom. Got to have music. Got to get a, a, a set of headphones. No, no, no. The true worshipers worship the Lord in spirit and truth. The true worshipers are, are out there day by day. They get a song in their heart in the night seasons. They wake up speaking in tongues. Amen. Nobody hit the drums. Nobody said, come on now, let's do this. Why? Because it's birthed in the heart and the spirit. We are in love with the one who loves us with an everlasting love. When? On Sunday, when the downbeat happens. No. I mean, yes, then too. But that's because we're always. Amen. We're always full of the life of God. So we reevaluate all of our relationships in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we begin to see that God is with us wherever we are and whenever we are. And we ask God then, would you open my eyes to that? Come on, how many of you would say this is a, a pretty good prayer of our hearts today? Would you open my eyes, Lord, to see that you're with me 100% of the time? Everywhere I go. And, and by the way, he is committed to being with you. Everywhere you go, even when you go to the wrong place. Seriously, even when you go there, the Lord goes, all righty, you sure? Let's go here in Jesus' name. Oh, God, I'm going to hate them. I'm going to write this angry rant, and I'm just going to rip their faces off. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Seriously, how many of you think well, that will edit your behavior? If you do everything you do in Jesus' name, in the presence of, for the glory of the Lord. Can I say it with your old language in view? If you wouldn't do it in church, don't do it at all. Because you are the church. Amen. Amen. And then we, that we optimize our, our opportunities by doing these things. You be present, and then you re-present. And what I mean by that is you, you find yourself where you are, evaluating it all in the name of, for the glory of the Lord, His living presence. This is, oh, if God would only show up. You remember, we had these stupid bracelets years ago. If you want a bracelet, we've got one. It says every tribe, every nation, we'll give you a bracelet that says that because that's a theme of our ministry. But there was this one that was WWJD. Now, if you still have one, I'm not picking. I did say it was a stupid bracelet. I'm just saying that the sentiment is pretty, the sentiment is not very faith-filled because there's, a, there's an end to the sentence that's required. Remember the WWJD bracelets? Come on, how many of you remember them? What would Jesus do? And what's the end of the sentence? If he were here. How many of you know? He is. So what would Jesus do probably should be replaced with a question we're asking in our life groups every week. What is he doing? What's he saying to you? What are you hearing from the Lord? What is God up to? How is he moving? These people for whom you're praying, how are you seeing God begin to manifest himself? Is the love that you have for them increasing? Is your insight into their situation growing or is it declining? Yeah. 
And what are you going to do about that? That's a person who's, who's present in the moment. And when you begin to be present with God as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, small as you are, you begin to represent what God gives to you. What God says, you can say. What God shows you, you can praise Him over. Amen? I have a sense that God is doing some of this. You know, there's sometimes that's a good thing to do. Sometimes you'll just be praying for a random neighbor. Sometimes you'll be riding your bike past a random neighbor. And all of a sudden, Spirit of the Lord will go, hey, and just breathe some word of insight into your heart. What do you do? Oh, hallelujah. And ride right by. Or maybe you grow into more than just saying it, to believing it, to valuing it and behaving it. And you pull aside. Say, hey, Billy, good to see you. It's good. You know, I was just thinking, hmm. And maybe it goes nowhere. Maybe Billy goes, you're a total nutbag. Likely Billy doesn't do that. You know what likely Billy does? He goes, you actually pray for me? You actually think about me? We don't even know each other very well. My family doesn't care like you do. What is that? Well, here, Billy, it's not what it is. It's who it is. It's the Lord who's put his love in my heart. And he loves you with this everlasting love. That is re-presenting what you are receiving from the Lord. Amen. So I pray, God, that you will help us, each one of us today, to, to realize that smaller is better, to be in the moment. You are faithful, Lord God. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. This is the song I want us to sing today. And I want everybody to stand across the house with me. It's 1149. Cowboys start at noon. We've got 11 minutes to get you into the car. Or turn your phone on or whatever. No, I'm just messing with you. But that is true. I think they do start at noon. <laughs> but the song says, forever God is faithful. Can we just, that's what we're, the one we're going to do. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. And here's what, can I edit the, the song? We'll sing it the first time, forever. Okay? But the next time I want us to sing, whenever God is faithful. Whenever, because when is God faithful? All the time. Amen. And then we're going to sing, wherever God is faithful, wherever God is strong, wherever I go, all week long. Amen. Amen. Whenever, at two in the morning when I wake up, because I'm that age, (laughs) some of you go, whenever God is faithful. He is with me. He's right there. It's a church meeting. Amen. 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 Especially if you do it, if you kind of gather together with anybody else, wherever, whenever, God is faithful. Can we sing it? Come on, let's sing it.
Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.